myself as just almost like a class clown, I guess you would say. Just a silly maker. I don't know. Just trying to make people laugh in any way I can, whether it's stand-up, acting, doing impressions. I think that's the first thing someone said uh, when I was born. There was a nurse in the hospital. My mom said she looked at me and said, you know, she's a clown. And my mom was like, you know, <laughs> like, I don't understand how you could say that from a newborn, but that's what this nurse said. So that's kind of how I think about myself. My best attribute, you know, there's so many. I'm kidding. Um, no, I think my best attribute is just being, being open. You know, I don't, I really try not to concretize myself into any way of thinking so that I can be open to learning how to do something better, how to listen better, how to be a better person. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm open. I think that's, I think that's my best attribute. That and, and just wanting to have a good time. I wish my husband would stop asking me what's for dinner at breakfast. I, I, I'm not thinking about that. Are we 80 years old? Can we talk about that later? Uh, besides that, you know, I don't think I have, I think the thing a lot of people ask you is like, what's next for you? And I think that's just kind of a normal question that people would ask, like, you know, in, when you're in the entertainment industry or anything. But I mean, I don't get that too much. I think it was more in the beginning when people would say like, have you ever thought of getting on The Tonight Show or, you know, getting a job on television? Have you tried getting on a sitcom? You know, no, I've never thought of that. You know, you could barely get an agent in the beginning. So that I would get kind of tired of. But I don't really have a, I don't think I have a question people ask too much. Not now, not really. Nothing comes to mind. Isn't that great? <laughs> I am completely and over and done with doing things in my career or otherwise that don't feel good to me. There are too many people that have good, positive energy, that are fun to be around, that are stimulating, that when you leave them you feel good. And I have less and less tolerance for people that don't give me that feeling. Um, and I still have a little bit of work to do in that area, but that's kind of what I'm done with. And that includes like jobs too. In my career, I've hired one person that I regretted. And it, I knew it the instant that I talked to the person on the phone, that it was gonna be a headache. But because I thought this person was so funny and so talented, I ignored that gut thing of like, hmm. And, and it was just worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'll never do it again, not for anything. So just doing what I want to do, what I like to do. It doesn't mean you're not working hard or you're not going to be uncomfortable, but I'm just not going to do something for a credit or to say I did something or to put it up on social media. I'm going to do it because I want to do it and it, it brings me and other people joy doing it. This is such a big question right now. but. The worst thing, I think, I know I'm not supposed to generalize, but I'm going to. I think being female, at least in the past, I think females had a bigger propensity to feel like they needed to please and be accepted and look a certain way, act a certain way, make sure you're okay with us. 
I certainly had that, like growing up in high school. I always, I don't think it was Glennon Doyle saying like, if you have the choice of making someone else disappointed or yourself disappointed, always choose to have the other person disappointed because then you'll disappoint yourself less. And I think, I, I didn't know that. And I think, especially growing up in high school, I, ma I made that mistake of not wanting to disappoint people. So I constantly went against my own um, like better judgment, gut, because I wanted everybody else to be okay and happy with me. So I feel like that was a little more of a female thing growing up than it was a male thing. I think males obviously have other issues that they have to deal with, like feeling like it's okay to be vulnerable, you know, and that kind of thing. They don't really have that with each other as easily as women do. Um, but that's what I would say uh, being female in the past has kind of limited me uh, in, in that way, if that makes sense. So just pushing against trying to make peace and fit in and get approval. I think that's changing, but I think it's, I think we all have been through that, down that road a long, uh, you know, a number of times. There's so many great things about being a female, you know? I mean, this just seems shallow, and especially coming out of quarantine, like today, I was like, today, I'm gonna put on heels, and I'm gonna put on blush, and I am going to drive in a car, and I'm gonna try to look nice, and I love that part of being, a, you know, a female, of, of kind of getting dolled up and feeling good. I love that about being female. Um, I love the connection that I have with other females and how we've all been through, no matter you know, what race you are, we've all been through a similar story in our lives with vulnerability and that we can connect in that way, in that softness, that, that feminine energy. I, I love that about being female, that you can connect with another female like, like that. The person that's had the most impact on my life, I mean, there's a few people, but the first person that comes to mind is my drama teacher. My drama teacher was the first person, he was a high school drama teacher, and it was Palos Verdes High, and they were known to have like very professional grade musicals and plays, and my dad forced me to go one night to one of them, even though I wanted to stay home and watch Three's Company. He forced me to go, and um, the minute the stage, you know, the minute the curtain went up, I was just like, like, it was like, ding! It was one of those moments where it's like, I'm done, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, and my drama teacher, you had to audition to be in that program. So when I was, I think, was it seventh or eighth grade, I auditioned for Drama and Honors. And then as soon as I heard him laugh at what I did, it was just my, my life changed. It was like somebody said, oh, you're good at this. You know, you, you can do, you have a skill, which I didn't play sports, so I wasn't like, yeah, I know how to play soccer, I can kick the ball. I didn't really have that. So that was kind of my first awareness of, like, I had a strength in something. And then he really taught me discipline and just, you know, practice and, you know, trying to, time management, being in a schedule, being in a play for three months straight and working hard and then that reward of getting on stage and getting that reaction and not getting the part you wanted but getting a much smaller part but still putting in 100%. So I learned so many things from him. And I still now when I look at him or when I mention him on social media, I, st I like, I tear up because I, I love him so much.
my, I think my, there's, I have a lot <laughs> of challenges, I think, that I put on myself because obviously I'm very fortunate. You know, I have no reason to not go after anything. I'm not um, disadvantaged on paper in any way, so I have no excuse. So I really think the most of the challenges I put on myself are not really from society, they're, they're from myself. And those would be not using like age against myself, which I've always used. Even in my 20s, I thought, oh my God, I haven't had a Julia Roberts movie by the time I'm 23, like I'm a failure. I, re I remember thinking that, you know? And then at 25, I thought I'd had this other thing and I didn't. And so I spent like a really long time not noticing the things that I was creating and how I was growing and what I was going after, because I was going after a lot of stuff. You know, I was going after singing and I was in acting class and then I sang in a gospel choir and I sang in a big band and then I was auditioning and then I was, you know, in school and I never gave myself credit for any of that because I was like, well, I'm supposed to be over here. So I think that's the biggest, and even now I'll say to myself, okay, now that I'm older, not using age against myself and not being like, well, time's up. Now let's put that to rest and why don't you go put your bifocals on and read a book. You know what I mean? Because you can easily do that. You, people do that. They're like, oh, this age means this. It's time to pack it up. And especially when you talk about female and then in this industry, you know, after even 35, they're like, oh, you're still, okay, you're still trying to get in front of the camera, are you? Okay, well, interesting, all right. So that's my challenge, is to not use age as an excuse to put myself out there and grow and still go after my dream. Because if there's so many things I've not given myself credit for, um, but the one thing I think I can honestly give myself credit for is I've never quit. I've taken breaks to have kids and you know all that stuff, but I've never quit going after entertaining people, ever. So that's, um, that's the challenge is not using age against myself. But I also want to say I haven't stopped. The biggest lesson life has taught me, this is a hard one for me, again, is to trust your life. You know, whatever you believe in, whatever God, or if you don't believe in God in the universe, whatever, you, there, there is something to be said about trusting like something higher than yourself. And, and a lot of times, especially if you're a controlling person and you're like, I'll do this this time and this time I'll have this, you really have to trust your life because sometimes when you're going after something for a really long time and it doesn't get to the level that you think, there's always, there's, sometimes there's a reason and I've had that happen where it's like, you know what? I want to try this other thing. That's kind of pointing me to this other thing that's even more meaningful. And I can say more truths and things that matter more to me now than I could with this other way of, of communicating through entertainment. Hmm. I want to say, this just came to me, a sponge. I think I'm a sponge. I think I, I feel people real easily. Um, if there's somebody that feels out of place anywhere, I see them out of first out of anybody. I always have been like that, being the new kid moving around. 
Um, I pick up accents quickly. I pick up dialects quickly. I I just feel th I'm sensitive. I, I, I like a sponge. I think that's that's yeah. I do see an optimistic view of this country. If you would have asked me this a year and a half ago, I probably would not even be here in this chair. I'd be in my bed. Um, but I do. I do think it's going to take a lot more work, but I am optimistic. I feel like things are, we're not done by any means. There's still a lot of work to do, but I do feel like it's not as heavy and that things are lifting a little bit and people are ready to come out and be creative and do what they really want to do, not what they're supposed to be doing or what they should do. They're learning that, you know, Everything they do, I don't, is it David Dieta that says everything you do ripples out and affects everyone? I'm hoping that people realize that, you know. I like people that are aware and conscious. And this, this is down to like getting off an elevator and realizing that you're supposed to let the person get off the elevator before you get on. Just little things like that, like being considerate of other people, I'm seeing that a little bit more than I was. So, but I'm also looking for it. I, these are the longest fucking answer you could ever even ask for, but these are hard to answer in one, in one word. Who's doing this? Okay. <laughs> I do think it's getting better, and I hope it gets better, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be to be better, and I hope other people are too, but that sounds so damn canned. How do you answer that question without sounding contrite? You know what I mean? As a white woman, I really feel the pain. I'm married to a white man, and it is hard. It's really hard. We've really gone through it this year. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> On that note, I am going to strip down. No. Um, It is, but then the other thing is too, I've turned off the news, so I only listen to NPR right now because it was, I was paralyzing myself. So we all came to this wake up call, we all did all this action and we did things we never did before, right? We went to the marches and then we donated and we listened to all these influencers talk about stuff that we didn't have a great awareness of and we're all learning and then it's just, it, then all of a sudden you realize if that's all you're doing, that's not balance either. So I think now, I think people are now kind of rebalancing, like action, settling and rebalancing. Action, instead of just doing the action to say that you're doing the action and look at me, I'm, I'm helping the country, you know, you're just, I can't, I can't, I need a typewriter. I need to just type my answers. <laughs> I don't even remember what my favorite word was. Okay, my favorite word. I have so many favorite words. I, I love the word beginner. I think I'm always a beginner. I think that to give yourself grace in anything you're trying to do, you have to be willing to be a beginner and be bad at something and not know the answer and ask people for help. And I think it's the most youthful thing that you could do is, is be a beginner for the rest of your life. I love that word, beginner. Um, I, you know what I think of? I mean, obviously I think of like hot fire. Okay, when I think of En Fuego, I think of Eric. And then I think of 
hot, but I think of the hot of like, you know, when you're burning a substance, like when you're burning metal, like you have to get it so piping hot for it to turn into liquid to become something else. Like that's what I think of as en fuego. Like, like extreme or grand that it just changes everything. That's what I think of with en fuego. Like it has to be burning hot to make a difference. No, if I ever met myself at a party, would I hang out with myself? I think I would. I'm actually surprised by this answer because initially I would think, God, no. But I think I'm fun to be with. I like to laugh. I like to meet people. I like to find out about them. Yeah, I think I would. I don't know how long I would want to hang out with myself, but yes, I definitely would have a conversation. We'd probably have laughs and my mom uh my mom is she thinks she loves people she thinks that everybody is a potential friend she would practically i mean that was one of my first jokes in stand-up is because she would like literally meet somebody and be like okay now jonathan is babysitting you he was the bus driver today I him. he just got divorced and he was a meth addict, but he's doing fine now. He's coming over at six. I want you to be nice to him, polite. I want you to shake his hand and look him in the eyes. I mean, this is my mom. My mom was not a stranger danger. It was like, strangers are fine, you know. They're just like you and me. I mean, it was like, talk to strangers, find out about them. My mom loves people. Um, and she has worked with inner city kids most of her life, that's her other passion. She doesn't now, she's like 84, but um, she did for a really long time. She had a group called Annie's Angels, and she would take these inner city kids in um, outside of Miami, and she would, she would get the ballet to pay to have them get on a bus and go expose them and have them go to a ballet and go see a show and just do all these things that the parents that were working didn't have time to do, and she, she would do that. So she's very, very funny. And I wish I could think of a single thing right now that she, like she just said to me the other day on a call. I've just, she's hilarious. So funny. Oh, one thing she, what did she, what did she do? One thing she did was um, when we were young, now this is like, you know, to show you how old I am. So Chicken McNuggets had just come out in McDonald's. And so we were so picky as kids. She was, oh, it was such a pain to order our things. It was like plain hamburger with just cheese and, you know, I don't know why that was really complicated back then, but so when they came out, my mom was like, oh, thank God I can just order these and it's going to be easy. So here we are in wood panel station wagon, me and my two sisters, and we're just like, mom, just say three chicken nuggets. That's all you have to say. And she's like, I know, I know, I know. And so she drives up to the drive-thru and she's like, hi, how are you? Oh, what is your name and where are you from? I mean, that's what she would say all that she still does. I know you're not supposed to do that, but if, she, if you have an accent, she's going to ask you where you're from and she's going to try to talk to you in your native tongue. That's what she's going to do. So she's talking to the person and then she's just like, okay, well, we are going to get three, and she's screaming, by the way, into this, like, she, like it's, you know, we're going to get three uh, chicken McGuggets. And we were, as teens, we were like, you had one job and she just she was always she always embarrassed us like in the best ways now for stories but yeah she just was she's hilarious
small, tiny, but mighty, yeah. Oh, let's see here. My dad was, I don't know, he, he reminded everyone that came into our house as like a movie star. He looked like a movie star. He was super hard worker, kind of that classic case of like coming from nothing, having no money, like drying his shoes in the oven, that kind of thing. And worked his ass off, was super disciplined, and really a closet performer, I think. He was a huge opera buff. And even though he was in the corporate world, because I think that was really the only way he really thought he could get out of his situation. Um, and we moved every few years because he would just climb the ladder and go to a better place, better place. So that's why we moved. We moved every like 11 months to three years growing up. Um, he traveled a lot when I was younger, but he just was, um, I don't know, it's, it's almost like living with a celebrity. I know that sounds weird, like I didn't see him a lot, so when I did get to spend time with him, it was really special. Um, he's just the kind of guy that like would come into a party and be like, Dad, will you just, you know, he'd pick me up maybe once a year from like a birthday party, because dads like didn't do that, that kind of thing back then. It was like, your dad's at a baseball game? That's weird. Like, I, I've never saw dads, it was always moms. But when he would come and pick me up from like, a party, like let's say a bowling alley party or something. I remember he would come in and I'd be like, Dad, will you just throw one ball? And he's like, no, he'd be in a suit. And I'm like, please. And he's like, takes the shoes off, takes the ball, strike. All right, let's go. You know, it's like that kind of guy. Um, and, you know, we just adored him. We just adored him. He died when I was 28 from lung cancer. He was a non-smoker. Um, and I, uh, they didn't think it was cancer initially. I think they thought it was like scar tissue or something. But um, yeah, he was, um, he was like a really beautiful man inside and out. I think that I wish he could have, I wish he could have had a more creative life instead of just working so hard, um, doing that kind of corporate thing, traveling all the time because I think he would have really liked it. When we really got to see him was when we would take vacations, then he would like let everything go and relax and have a great time. Otherwise, he was kind of always, you know, thinking about something else on the side, kind of half there. And then, um, and then when he got cancer, you know, it was like his body was there, but he was kind of like, 80% not there anymore, so you were kind of looking through him. I remember that kind of vividly. Um, and then when I, the last time I saw him, um, they lived in Miami uh, in Coconut Grove, and I was gonna go to the airport, and he was, he had, the whole time I could barely speak to him because he was like face down in a bed in another room, which was even more difficult, I feel like, than someone dying, is them being alive but not being alive, you know? And so when I left, I went into his room and kind of like climbed into bed with him. And, you know, I told him I was leaving and that I loved him, you know, so much. And I said, Dad, did you have a good, you know, did you, do you think you had a good life? Did you enjoy your life? You know, and he looked at me and he just said, you know, and I had a great time. And 
then he said some other really wonderful things to me, which I'll never forget. And then he handed me a drink ticket for the airplane so I could have a cocktail <laughs> on the way back. Because <laughs> he was all about the coupons, you know. So, like, no matter how well he did in life, it was like the duct, duct, duct tape over the suitcase, and we're going to use this until it disintegrates. So, yeah, I miss him. But I know, I know he, he's here. I don't know if there's a word, but I think it's getting better. It feels like it's getting better. I feel like we have a long way to go, but I think that people have, a lot of people have been woken up like they haven't been in a long time, me included. And I'm just hoping that people stay open. I'm hoping that people stay open, that people can remain like a student to learn from other people and be interested. I think that's, I think hopefully the world is becoming more interested in what's going on around them instead of shutting their eyes and being like, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Because um, if you're interested in other people and you're interested in other humans, then you want to know why they do certain things and why certain things hurt them and affect them in the ways that they do. So I hope people are more interested, I hope the world's more interested in each other.